0: so we got a story today about a sexual pursuer. George is going to tell us all about male sexual pursuers. Hey, you're listening to Foreplay Radio for couples and sex therapy, and I'm Lori Watson, your sex therapist. And I'm
1: George Valley, your marriage therapist.
0: We want to take a wide lens on sexuality and talking with you about what we've learned as experts in the field on how you bring your body your mind, and your brain to the sexual experience.
1: We want to expand people's perspective of just talking about sex, that it's not something to be avoided. It's actually something to embrace and to lean into with an openness to be changed by what you hear. Something I might know a little bit something about. (laughs) All right, so good working with a couple. Here we are, male sexual pursuer. Feels pretty comfortable in his sexuality, feels pretty healthy, made a commitment to monogamy. And before marriage was dating a lot, lots of different relationships, had a lot of attention heard that dreaded statement that, you know, this great relationship you have once you get married is going to stop. And he said, no, nope, not my marriage. That's not going to happen to me. That might happen to you and most of the people I know, but it's not going to happen to me.
0: Right. He's he, he's going to have a stellar sex
1: life. Well, they, They're dating. They have a great, they get engaged. They have a great sex life. What's right. going to change? Right. Right. So he had, he shared some of these concerns. His fiance says, you know, look, at we, this is never going to change. And he's they sail off into the sunset together. Uh huh. Fast forward a couple of years and a few kids, and all of a sudden, th- th- his wife is less interested in sex.
0: Yeah,
1: right, Ooh. and it starts to set into motion this male pursuer energy that says, "Hey, wait a second, I'm not going anywhere else. It's just me and you, and this is a way we serve each other. And you know what's going on here." Yeah, right, so he starts that's, reading the that's books. It, that's and- a good
0: line, just for the record. This oh, yeah. is the way we serve each other. <laughs> this is the way you should serve me is probably what he's saying. <laughs> <that right. laughs> <laughs> no, okay, go on.
1: So he starts reading the books. He starts leaving books out for her. He's listening to TED Talks. He's, you know, he's engaged. He sees the problem. Mm-hmm. He's he's has healthy longings and needs.
0: And he's fixing it. He's, he's fixing trying to it. fix it. He's
1: trying to get her to look at herself, identify her blocks, really kind of understand what's stopping her. He tries to empathize with having kids and being too busy. He hears statements, he should do more dishes. That's going to help. So he starts doing dishes. He, you know, <laughs> didn't he's, it help. didn't it it help. It didn't help. So he keeps getting disappointed. He's like, wait a second, I get all this advice. And there's all this, these myths and education out there. And at the end of the day, it gets less and less. And it feels like when it is sex, it's just sex because she's throwing him a bone and just trying to calm him down, but it doesn't feel like she's engaged and he she's really present in it. Yeah. And you know, that, that part of him that starts getting more and more anxious, more and more insecure. It gets harder to risk. It gets you know, and that frustration mounts as he starts to say, wait a second, this is not what I signed up for. Right. How did we get here? How do I get to the place where I have to beg for something that's so healthy? And then I start. Start to feel bad that, like, there's something wrong with me because I want to have sex. Like, this right. isn't Absolutely. it normal to want to have sex? Or there's this kind of internal battle that starts to happen for these male pursuers.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I, I'm not sure yet. I don't know EFT in terms of how they deal with transference and countertransference. But as you're going to have to teach me all that. But as you talk, it honestly hits my heart. And this is what I often feel, like, in session with either gender, actually, of a sexual pursuer. Like, this healthy part that defines us, apart from all other kinds of relationships, is sex. I mean, once we've committed, if we're just committed and not having sex, we are friends. We are not married people. And so it's it's the sexual component and that that says we're married in our heart, soul, and body. And so I, I begin to feel that pain you know, as I imagine the sexual pursuer feels and certainly male, I get that. And I think that this, what you've just told is the classic story. I think the story that most men are afraid of because most men are sexual pursuers. They, their body drives them, Mm -hmm. you know, their body drives them into sex. And for them, sex is, you know, many things, but it is certainly a way to connect with their partner. I mean, they, they could turn to porn, they could turn to other women, they could, but that's not what they want. What they want is the special sexual connection with the woman that they love. And when she's shutting down, it's so damn mysterious and so frustrating because they, they don't understand how to flip it and how to change it.
1: Well, I just want to echo that list that sex means so many different things
0: for mm-hmm. these
1: male pursuers, that mm-hmm. it really isn't just about the orgasm. Mm-mm. right? That it's a great way of going to sleep. It's a great way to make up after a fight. It's a great way to lead into snuggling. It's a great way to release tension. It's a great way to get a workout. It's a great way to f- have some fun. You know, there's so many components that this taps into. And especially if you're not so great at expressing your emotions, this becomes the one doorway where you actually are naked and vulnerable and exactly. get touch. I mean, it, it meets so many needs for men.
0: Exactly. I, I it's like I want to play that over and over again because I think that's the heart of the male sexual pursuer that, you know, in a healthy relationship, sex can mean a lot of different things and it's all good. All of it is good. When it gets complicated, some of those things it's not that they're not good anymore, it's just that it we need to rethink when they're pursuing for sex.
1: Well could it also be they wind up getting this sense this feeling of being desperate. Like they need it too much. And you know, so there's so many insecurities it starts to tap into. But, but
0: just think about what you say, George, about the female emotional pursuer, right? Or any emotional pursuer. Like we tell them you're you're so anxious. Yeah. But like when you're driving for sex, which is the marital relationship And then we turn around and tell them, you want too much sex. You want sex too much. All you think about is sex. You're just a sex machine. You know, all this stuff, it's just soul crushing. It's like, wait a second, I am feeling and doing what I thought marriage was all about. And the supply-demand issue is at stake because the supply is very low. And so that increases the sense of frantic need. You know, oh, my God, it's never coming and so then we turn around and blame them or women frequently, their wives frequently turn around and blame them and say, you know, all you want is sex. It's like, nah, you know, I want a whole lot more. I, I really, truly, you know, I've been practicing in sex therapy for 20 years and I have rarely encountered a guy who is, who just wants sex. I I, I don't really think any, and maybe they just don't come to therapy, right? (laughs) But I mean, a married man or a committed man who's in it, he isn't saying, I, I just want to get off. I mean, that's, that's not what he wants. It's, it's many, many things, but it's her. And I think that the idea of just having sort of service sex or sex that is checking off the list, it is soul-crushing mm. to experience that because they're not wanted. And I think more than...
1: Some of, some of that misconception we can help with I mean, I know a lot of these male pursuers that we're talking about, because of the cultural messages that they get or they watch porn or whatever they see, you know, sex always starts with two people hot in desire. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's what they're expecting. They're hoping their partner's showing up that way. Exactly. Right? And when their partner can't, they're already starting off with the rejection, right? Mm -hmm. Right out of the gate. Mm -hmm. Which isn't, a you know, that's a break put it on to the, to the sexual encounter. So, I mean, I do think helping these male pursuers recognize that sometimes their partner's willingness to just show up and engage in a process is about the most loving thing they can do. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, what is the starting point? Is the starting point hot mutual sex or is the starting point a willingness to just be with each other and open up that space to see what's going to happen? And what's the finishing line? Is the finishing line both of them passing out in a mutual orgasm or is it the finishing line, you know, what, just to kind of be connected to each other? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think a lot of that takes some of the pressure off so much that's going to get in these mixed signals that are being sent in this these negative patterns we're we're trying to talk about.
0: I think that you're right that unfortunately it's like a body a male body is lit with testosterone. You know, so he can be aroused in a heartbeat. And imagining, I mean that her body is not lit and it's going to take her some time. I mean, it's frustrating. I totally get that that's frustrating. If you're a man, I think every funny
1: sense of humor,
0: I do think that every once in a while as a woman, I say, you got to stop, drop and roll. You know, you got to be ready. You got to like go for it. And because a man can't always be adapting to the female pattern in order to be happy. There has to be some time that she adapts to his pattern. Reciprocal. Yeah. But you're right. I think it's a it's a big disappointment when he comes in Ready and says, "Hey, you want to?" or whatever he does to initiate, and and she is at zero. And when he asks her, "Do you want to have sex?" and she says, oh, "Do I want to have sex?" Uh, no. You know, <laughs> you know. What it's, are my it, options? <laughs> it's the no wrong question. No, and piss him off, or
1: go through the motions, and that's still going to be not enough.
0: Yeah, it, but it's it's the wrong question. I think what a man should say is, "I want you." Because it's so much more vulnerable. Are
1: you listening to this, men? Write this down.
0: <laughs> I do think it's so much more vulnerable and and so much more of a turn on to a woman than to say, "Hey, do you want sex?" I mean, that just feels like a commodity versus being wanted. And it's a
1: great line.
0: We know that women respond to being wanted, so that looking her in the eyes and saying that—that's that's that—it that, is a good line. <laughs> To begin with, but I I also think, yeah, it's going to take her, even if she's saying, yes, I do. From that moment through to when they're actually engaged sexually and hot and heavy, it's going to take a warm-up. I mean, she just, she can't help that. That's her physiology. Even if she wanted to help that, she can't help that. So I think there is some sense of how how does a male pursuer share what he feels? I say men share testosterone by being good seducers. They have to learn how to seduce their partner. The guy that you described, he's going to come in and he's going to tell me, Lori, I have done that. I have tried everything under the sun. I've romanced her. I've taken her out to dinner. I've read the I've, books. I've read watched the, the books. Watch the videos. I've done everything I can do, and it's not working. So. So then we have to explore what's blocking her. So
1: anybody want to know how to get it to work?
0: <laughs> yeah, We're going to do
1: that after break. We're going okay. to listen to Lori explain to us how to make it work. <laughs> okay. Speaking with certified sex therapist Lori Watson from Awakening Center for Couples and Intimacy. Lori, what is an intensive?
0: So an intensive is 12 to 14 hours of therapy all in one weekend. And it's a way to really make fast progress compared to weekly therapy. I mean, there's just so much more you can get done when you have a chunk of time.
1: Overcome the challenges in your relationship and your sex life. Learn more about intensives and Awakening Center's other services at awakenloveandsex.com.
0: Hey, I want to let you guys know all about George. He's written and contributed to several books, and I'd especially like to draw your attention to his book, Sacred Stress, a radically different approach to using life's challenges for positive change. His book is about a mission on how you adopt new strategies and turn stresses into a positive force in your life. And who among us doesn't live with a lot of stress these days? We'll keep you posted as to all he's doing. But George and other EFT therapists all around the country and the world hold couples retreats called Hold Me Tight, which is developed by Sue Johnson, and it helps secure your own relationship. If you'd like therapy with George, find him at georgefowler.com.
1: Welcome back. All of you have been sitting on the edge of your seats waiting to hear from Lori (laughs) on how these male pursuers sexually can Get their partners to engage.
0: Exactly.
1: So, you notice I mean, even my voice feels like it's changing <laughs> as I'm saying it.
0: <laughs> Please listen up. I think it is something that has to be attacked as a couple, it can't just be one person. Picking
1: um, up a theme here.
0: Certainly, I've heard men talk about it and say, you know, I've told her all this. I've told her how meaningful it is to me, how important it is to me. I've told her I don't just want sex. And they're still kind of stuck at zero. I think the same thing goes in terms of when we were talking last week about the female sexual pursuer. We have to be able to imagine that there is something that is obscuring his wife's libido. And there's a laundry list, I think, Women particularly have difficulty when they become mothers. There's this sense of, I have to be ever present for the babies. Get a lock on your bedroom door, for the record. Everybody out there, lock on the bedroom door. As soon as the children come, that's the next installment. But, you know, she can't somehow or another separate this out. I would say to men everywhere, take your wife to a hotel room, get her out of the house, There is something so intrinsic about being female mother in the home, children in the next bedroom. I had a a male supervisor when I was young. He was a fantastic processor, but he was really wrong about sex. And of course, I didn't know anything at the time, but he said, you know, women need to learn to do this internal separation where they separate out the Madonna from the whore, right, that they can have both parts and flexibly access both parts. And maybe he could get that to happen. But quite honestly, I have not been able to get that to happen for women. Sometimes it's so merged in terms of who they see themselves and the role that they see themselves in that it's impossible to separate out. So that to me is just like easy peasy, cheaper than therapy, get the hotel room.
1: Well, it sounds like we're slipping back into focusing on this female withdrawal. And how do we get this male pursuer to own his side of the street right which is right how as my anxiety and my rejection really changed the way do i woo my partner do i help build that expectation or that anticipation that's so necessary you know or has my resentment and my my own kind of triggers gotten so big that it's really contaminated. So how do I clean up my side of the street? And we get how we've talked about we gotta get these withdrawers to start looking at themselves and getting more curious and open. And they gotta wanna engage, right? For these for this dance to change.
0: Keep me focused. So how do we
1: stay with these pursuers and try to empower them to kind of stay empathetic to their partner, but really also focus on what they can do differently.
0: So one thing that I've learned is that They often don't listen to the whispering of their sexual distancing partner. Oftentimes, the the woman will have said something, and it's hard to hear. It gets drowned out in the repetition of failure between the two of them. But many times, as I listen to them for the first time, I can hear very clearly about what would work for her. So I would say, slow down, think through what has worked, What does your partner say? So I'm thinking about one woman in particular, and the guy is a sexual pursuer, and he doesn't touch in a gentle way. Like, when he touches her, it's like guys at the football game, you know? I mean, clapping her on the back and just in a way that somehow or another, I think he's a little bit afraid of and doesn't know how to be sensuous, how to touch, But this is something that she does talk about, you know, very, very infrequently does she talk about it, that she's not touched in a way, and this is not sexual touch, let alone that, God, you know, that we're not even talking that yet, (laughs) you know, but she, he doesn't touch her just in daily living in a way that would turn her on. Right. And that's, that's one of the things that she says. I think that women often talk about that they want, they want the, the buildup. And I think this is a little dicey for the sexual pursuer because he'll say, yeah, you know, I sent her this text, right? And, And sometimes the language is off. So it doesn't always have to be soft language. I mean, sometimes women like other kinds of language. They're fine. But you have to know what kind of language your partner needs and likes. For some women, slang is great. Some women, dirty talk is great. Sometimes romantic, fluffy language is all they respond to. So you you have to make sure that your messaging is attuned to what's going to penetrate, so to speak. Otherwise, they won't take it in.
1: So I would think timing has something to do with it, too. Like, when do you have these conversations? So often, the sexual pursuer wants to have these conversations in bed.
0: Yeah, or... After sex, or that's after a really sex. favorite time of sexual pursuers of, tell me what was good about this, how to make it better, which of course the the sexual distancer internalizes as, that wasn't good enough, I just rocked your damn world, and now you want more, you know, it, 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 so this, is, enough, this right? is a conversation over coffee. It has to be, and not necessarily the next morning, but like Saturday date kind of coffee or breakfast, you know, where they go out and... And he asks, and he prepares her for that conversation. So how does
1: the sexual pursuer teach this witcher that they can have success in this sexual realm?
0: Okay. Well, this is great because oftentimes he's going to get to that talk, right? And he's going to say, so I want to understand you. I want to understand what you need from me. I'd stand on my head for you. I'd do anything for you. And she's like, I don't know what I need. I don't know what I want, but partly
1: you know when somebody says "I don't know," you're right where you're supposed to be.
0: I like they're love trying this. George. To put words yes. to something
1: emerging—that that's not a sign of somebody being defensive or resistant. They just really don't know. Right? How beautiful that is to see the opportunity in somebody saying "I don't know."
0: Yeah, because there there's so many things often that are emerging in their mind and that they can't. Decide almost what to start with, what would be safe to start with. That I don't know does mean something. And I think it's, I, I think you nailed it. But of course, when you're the sexual pursuer, right to hear, I don't know, it's deflating. It's like, okay, I've set this whole thing up. I've done what Lori and George told me to do. And I've got my partner here who's not going to give me any more. Than I've gotten in the last so many years. It's really hard to stay patient.
1: So, what I would add is, it is there has to be room for that pursue is vulnerability.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? It's always bad timing whenever they want to bring it up. But they have to also see the value that they deserve to see themselves in these places. It's normal when you're rejected to feel insecure and doubt your own worthiness or lovableness or how attractive you are, that that's really when we need reassurance the most when we kind of get down on ourselves. Mm -hmm. So we have to figure out a way to help these pursuers. Bring that message that's really asking for help. Unfortunately, it comes across as criticism, which makes their partner go further away, mm-hmm. right? But how do these pursuers say, hey, I get, you know, you're not always in a move and you might have things going on physically with you. And I really try hard not to take this personal. But there are times where I start to go to a dark place that says, you know what, if we would do this all over again, you probably wouldn't want me because you're not so attracted yeah. to me, right? It's that painful, scary place. It's like being w-
0: out in orbit, right? With, without any tether to their partner yeah. that they are feeling.
1: Like they're going to need reassurance in those places. And even if the partner can't physically provide, you know, the sexual intimacy, can they give that reassurance that says, hey, I still want you. Mm-hmm. You know, there are things getting in the way, but, you know, there is no doubt in kind of how I see you in these places, mm-hmm. right? Which is, again, I think that's the the growing part of what our misses can do in marriages and relationships, right? It's like it, it starts to tap in. It's redemptive if I can go to the darkness and my partner can come with light.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if that can be reassuring. I think what you said struck me because it's really about the safety in being desired Mm. that you're talking about that feels, I think that's such proof for men because they feel it so much in their body that it it feels like proof when their partner desires them and wants to be sexual with them. And when that's not happening, it, it feels really insecure. So they need that verbal reassurance that says, no, I, I do want you. And, And these are the things that might be getting in the way. I I mean, I think most couples could resolve the blocks if they could talk about what they are specifically with each other.
1: So the good news here is if we could identify that we don't lose desire, we actually kill it with our own anxieties, defensiveness, and blocks. Mm-hmm. That we help both these withdrawers and pursuers start to identify what's kind of messing up this beautiful natural process. And we start to get them to share that with each other and heading towards each other. They're doing <laughs> the very thing they're not doing that's getting them into trouble. Right. Right? So when these pursuers can really touch their more vulnerable places and share it with their partners, regardless of kind of the outcome, that very act itself is they're on that pathway towards healing.
0: Exactly. And you're talking about Stephen Mitchell, my one of my favorite authors, Ken Love Last. Good book for pursuers to read.
1: Awesome. Homework assignment. Pursuers want that. They do. All right.
0: You're listening to 4Play Radio, Couples and Sex Therapy. Hi, foreplay fam. The biggest support you can give us is sharing our podcast with a friend. You can find us also on socials, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And we'd love your questions and feedback and really do use these to guide our show. We'd also love it if you'd rate and review us. If you're interested in learning more about us and our mission, look us up on our hot new website, 4
1: Call in your questions to the Foreplay play question voicemail. Dial 833-MY4PLAY. That's 833, the number 4, play. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor.